Kaylee, I am so sorry that I'm late to recording. It was wash day? It was. As you can see, my hair is still soaking wet. <laughs> I was, I hadn't even rinsed the conditioner out of my hair. And uh, it was like eight more minutes. And my curly hair needs more than eight minutes after I get out of the shower. So I was like, ah! <laughs> and I was late. Yeah, the second I saw you, I was like, oh, I get it. But I was eating ice cream, so it's really okay. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> this episode's like not um, not a whole lot to cold open to, but it's a fantastic episode. It's got so much style. <laughs> and jive. <laughs> and it is fly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Should we start the show? It's showtime. I like the way we've given up on singing, and now we just both dance <laughs> to the song in our heads. It works. <laughs> this is... To, to the, the Blueberry! <laughs> I am Alexis, and I am a real-life Gus. I'm Kaylee, and I'm the real-life Sean. And we are a best friend all-American duo who decided to start a podcast. Kaylee always laughs at all-American duo, and I love that. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> We decided to start a podcast uh, for the sake to talk to one another, where we rewatch our favorite show, which is Psych. Woohoo! This episode is season three, episode five. Disco didn't die. It was murdered. We get a flashback, but we don't have any um, little baby people in the flashback. We're starting in 1978. And it's full on like da 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 music playing. Oh yeah, the the music cues this entire episode. My significant other was not watching this with me, but he was like, "That music's really popping off," because <laughs> he could just hear what was I, happening. I didn't really have anything to call it besides shaft music. Yeah, because that's what I heard every time I heard it. I was like, "Oh, we are listening to the soundtrack of Shaft." Oh, one hundred percent. Can you dig it? Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, 1978, and we first see a man making a bomb. Very clearly, just a bomb maker, yeah. And then Henry's in his black and whites. He's not a detective yet. Oh, yeah. Full head of hair, in uniform. Can you dig it? <laughs> <laughs> he breaks down the door, and there's a wide shot as they're running in. And as they're running in, <laughs> there's a lamp. And the lamp is a pineapple. I didn't catch this one. I found a pineapple, but it'll come later. Well, we found different pineapples, and I love that. Okay, <laughs> the man's name is Franks. Yeah. Henry says, listen, Franks, you have the right to not get shot. But if you mess up, you're going to lose that right. <laughs> Put the bomb down. And yeah, it's just in like a duffel bag, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. More or less, yeah. Cut to a conference outside SBPD, like 1970s SBPD, and the commissioner or, or whoever that is, is is trying to honor Henry for saving the day because we find out this was a bomb plot to blow up SBPD headquarters. Like the courthouse, something. Everybody was in danger. Everybody was um, calling him Sergeant Spencer, so we know kind of his rank at this point. Oh, nice. But Henry does... A kind of Henry thing, but a very not Sean thing, and said, a police officer doesn't deserve any special attention for 
just doing his job. I, okay, there are a couple of times in my notes I wrote humble brag because it's like, I'm being humble. Look at me being humble, <laughs> but doing the great thing that I did. So that's what I got. <laughs> As we cut to present day, we are at the Santa Barbara Police Department present day. And Sean and Gus are with a reporter whose name we never get. Oh, yeah. I didn't get it. But we do find out that she's with the Independent. And um, Sean's like, do you feel that? The electricity. Because we're here. It means big cases. <laughs> she's ready to go in. And um, he goes, now you have your cover story. And she said, it's page 63. <laughs> it really depends on how you fold it, doesn't it? <laughs> but Chief says right away, you can't bring a civilian in here. Like, get into the room. We're closing the doors. And he's just like, I can't help it. That they, they want this exclusive interview. And she's like, you called me. And he goes, and you called me back. I'd say it was both of us. Which is a perfect missed opportunity. I've heard it both ways. Exactly. So he, he tells her to be on the lookout for some of the facial expressions. He'll be, you know, mugging. And he wants her to get shots. Which, at this point, I was like... Is she also her own photographer? What what does he expect from her? But later... I think she is yeah. because she does have a camera. <laughs> she does yeah. have a big, impressive camera. But he goes, and keep an eye out for my signature look, senior gotcha. She goes, what does that one look like? He goes, oh, you'll know. <laughs> In Chief Vic's office, they find out that the California Prisoner Advocacy Group has turned over a handful of convictions or have called a handful of convictions into question. But people have already been released. Yes. Is my question. What? Sean is like posing for pictures and not apparently worried at all. Yeah. The whole time he's just mugging. Chief said, normally we wouldn't devote resources to stuff like this, but these are special circumstances. Yeah. Some of these cases are decades old, but this big one, that's an SBPD case. And, uh... We're hiring you, Mr. Spencer, to come up with any leads you may be able to divine. We find out. Ba -ba -bum. It was Henry's. Henry's biggest case. Ooh. The bombing of Frank's above. Um, I did want to say before we leave this scene, I wrote Gus is in stripes and Sean is in a very Henry-esque shirt, but, the, but it doesn't have a loud print. It's just stripes. But it's one of those cotton button-ups that Henry likes to wear. <laughs> I have a lot of clothing comments this episode. We get a full intro after this scene. Oh, yeah. The whole song plays yeah. over the opening credits. It's incredible. And the, I the, don't think we've had the full song yet. I don't think so either. But, like, all the footage they use is really good. Like, these are yeah. really fun credits. For sure. And I was very excited about it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Vic does not want Henry anywhere near this case. Yeah, we get a full chief walk and talk. And she says, you know, Henry can't help. He puts this entire investigation in jeopardy because it was originally his case and he's no longer on the force. There's a whole thing that happens and... A lot of back and forth chit-chat yeah, about sayings it, and chief so, gets really stern and is like, understand me, hear me. <laughs> stern chief thing. If Henry interferes, they will be fired and charged with obstruction of justice. Ooh, snap. All right, so cut to the psych office. And Sean says, man, we are going stealth mode. We need to get a head start before Henry even knows about this. And I've got a plan. Too bad. Henry's there. <laughs> and he's not there to bring them a new chocolate chip raisin bread recipe. 
<laughs> he says, I know you've got the new Frank's case. And every time they say the Frank's case in this episode, I cackled. I could not get over it. Why? The creator of the show and the executive producer is Steve Franks. And he's also the one who wrote our beloved opening theme and closing uh, theme, I guess. Uh, so they say the Franks case and I'm like, ha <laughs> That's kind of beautiful. We do find out later, though, the guy's full name in this episode is Eugene Franks, which we don't know what Steve Franks' middle name is. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's a fair point. I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with Steve. Steven? Steven Eugene. Steven I'm, Eugene Franks? I feel like that rolls off the tongue. I vote. I vote yeah. yes. Okay. Kaylee and I have named him. We're good. <laughs> Henry is, is like, you need to give that to me. I could grab it from you, clean up any evidence of a struggle before you and your little friend here know what hit you, which is apparently child abuse in not some states, but all states. <laughs> and here's the thing. Sean is like being the voice of reason here, which is very weird. And also he's wearing a Henry shirt. I'm just going to say it. But Henry says there shouldn't even be a new case for you to have. That release was based on a, he calls it a micro crap problem with a search warrant that he wrote in the 70s. Gus says, come on, everybody makes mistakes. There was no mistake. Oh, it was the 70s. We did what we had to do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah. um, Sean says for the first, but not the last time in this episode, whoa. <laughs> Sean doesn't want him on the case. And finally, Henry just kind of gives up. But as he's walking away, he said, this case is important to a lot of people who would have died if they would have blown up our headquarters. It should be important to their family members, too. Manipulation. Well, I had to pause that for a minute. And because because that's when Sean gets all like, what? He also says, whoa. Yeah. Again. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, he's saying that he would have died if that bomb had blown up. Yes, the headquarters. Okay, yeah. exit Henry. Sean says, we need to stay ahead, and then we'll fill in the blanks later. He goes, to All the right. DA's office. Yeah, to the DA's office. But Henry beat them there by eight minutes. <laughs> Sean introduces himself and then says, and this is my partner. And Henry does a beautiful <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, this is my partner, Methuselah Honeysuckle, which makes me old scratch, which makes me old scratch Johnson. <laughs> Okay, so I took that as a reference, uh, like an old blues reference. Oh. Because there's the whole thing about the Devil's Crossroads in the South and Robert Johnson. And the rumor is he made a deal with the devil at the Devil's Crossroads. He's got a song called The Devil's Crossroads. It's a whole thing. So he's Old Scratch Johnson. Old Scratch Johnson. I like that. Yeah. Henry asks for the original transcripts from the case. The Eugene Franks case. Right. And um, <laughs> Sean is trying to kind of sell the fact that he's a psychic. So he immediately sees that there is a baby. There are blue, pan blue paint chimps and a little Louisville slugger. And so he has a, a psych out where Henry just completely interrupts and says, yeah, yeah, they're having a baby. It's a boy. Do me a favor. Don't call it Sean. That causes problems. <laughs> Henry says... Based on the Freedom of Information Act, don't him and haul with me. Like, those are our right as the public to view those records. I will say that in a lot of cases, you have to formally make a Freedom of Information Act request and then wait on that red tape bureaucracy timeline. Yeah. But um, I do like his bullying. And I mean, this guy's just an assistant at the DA's office. So <laughs> go for it, I guess. Sean is ready for him to 
step out of this case and said, all right, in case you plan on going back to the, unless you plan on going back to the academy where you shoot the bad guys, but not the old lady with the sack or the blind guy with the cane or the cute little squirrel with the bushy tail and the big fat nut that started off well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that, that started off well. Gus says that really went off the rails at the end. <laughs> you need to listen to what I am saying. He does a very chief thing and actually says at one point, hear me. <laughs> Psych office. All three of them. And they're freaking out about handwriting things. Oh, Sean says, I can't believe all of these handwritten records. Like, what if you guys needed copies of things or needed multiple of these at a time? And Sean or Henry goes into detail about like, you know, we didn't have all those stupid gadgets. And, you know, for this kind of thing, we would just probably use the Mimeo machine. And it doesn't take all these gadgets and stuff to get good police work done. It's all up here. He did say that they did have a computer and it took up the entire second floor. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it. <laughs> Chief Vic calls and asks why someone who looked like Henry was seen at the DA's office. That wasn't Henry. That was Phil Collins. My dad gets mistaken for him all the, all the time. Yes, I'm sure it was him. He was humming Invisible Touch. No, I didn't know that Phil Collins lived in Switzerland. <laughs> so Chief is clearly rebuking him, but he's, he's, he's kind of excusing it away. He's like, nope, not what you think. Not happening. That's not, that's not a thing. Chief Vic yells at him, then hangs up, and Sean says... I love you too. <laughs> Henry hands Sean a piece of file and goes, what can you glean from this? What we find out is that he was only arrested based on a single piece of evidence. Sorry, it was during the trial. It says the DA rested after they only submitted one exhibit, exhibit A, which Henry says was only the evidence um, based on that first, first, first search warrant. But there was a second round of evidence that was not under that search that micro issue search warrant and so they can use it now yeah because gus said that first stuff i mean had to be thrown out it was all fruit of the poisonous tree but if it's not tied to that first warrant issue we should be good to go we just need to know what there is to the archives but we can't take the blue blueberry because ogletree is checking my mileage and we can't take the henry's truck because it's not inconspicuous enough Looks like we're taking my motorcycle. I've always wanted to go threesies. Henry suggests the cab. They take it. And then as they're leaving, Sean said, ha, it's usually me that can't show my face in public. <laughs> so at the archive, Sean pulls this really stupid thing on Gus where he hands him a hammer and goes, well, you better hope they don't reopen those handyman murder cases because your fingerprints are all over that thing. <laughs> Gus is like, don't play around, Sean. You know I have a fear of being tragically wrongfully convicted. Henry finds Eugene's stuff from after the initial arrest. And the very first thing they pull out of the box is a pawn ticket from a few days before the arrest. But hey, how handy. This place is still around. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't write down the, the name of the place. But yeah, it's a pawn shop. So there's always desperate people trying to hawk stuff, I guess. Oh, we get a little aside to the SBPD. And we see Jules and Lassiter and Chief. And Chief is like, I've got a couple of cases for you. One is about diamond smuggling. Ooh. And the other is um, fraud for some permits at a plastics factory. Ooh. So she's like, I'll leave it up to you how to divide them up. So she walks away. And they're like, oh, man. And Lassiter goes, well, I am the senior detective. Who owes me? 
ooh, for that paperwork last week. And then Lassiter looks over and conveniently sees Buzz. Yeah, he goes, all right, follow my lead. Hey, McNabb. (laughs) They offer to make McNabb point on this case. Give him a little, give him a little shot. Let him do some real police work. You know, try his hand, get his feet wet, that sort of thing. Now, technically, you'd be working under Detective O'Hara and myself, but we'll let you take the lead on this one. He's so excited. They're so mean. They deserve everything they get this episode. I'm just going to say it. Preach. But Buzz, <laughs> the fact that you guys think so highly of me. Lassiter cuts him off. Yeah, yeah. We love you. Get back to work. Okay. <laughs> Buzz is so proud. Lots of love in this episode. I appreciate that. Yeah. And Sean's a sweet baby. Not Sean. (laughs) McNabb is a sweet baby angel, and we always love him. (laughs) Is it gold and silver pawn? Is that what it is? Uh, Sure. Because we see the the sign. I just didn't write it down. Okay. We'll we'll call it gold and silver pond. I like that. Wait. Not gold and silver pond, as in a place (laughs) where people die or swim. Gold and silver pond. Uh, We meet the guy who currently owns it, but... This ticket was from when dad used to own the shop. So he's, he's going like, to have to look through the box. Ooh, ooh, what do you think the box is? Maybe it's a big room like in Raiders or or catacombs underground like a national treasure. And Gus says, you should be ashamed that you know that. <laughs> the guy walks out. As I said, a box. <laughs> Gus is gloating so much in this episode. Um... Sean is so excited. He's like, ooh, there's stuff in that box. What kind of stuff? Old stuff? Shiny stuff? What kind of stuff? Why aren't you more excited about this? I wrote that Sean is acting like a crow, (laughs) but instantly Gus calls him. Because I'm not a raccoon. You look like a raccoon. And then they do their point thing. (laughs) I love the point thing. Sean starts to psych out because the number on the pawn ticket looks like a VIN number. Oh, Amazon gave me a fun fact here. In the what? 70s, VIN numbers were not 16 digits long, and they often had more letters at the beginning. So the VIN number that was on that receipt would not actually be a VIN number to a car from the 70s. Ooh, that is a fun fact, because I have to look at VIN numbers all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question here, because I don't know what my note pertains to. I wrote that Henry says, for whose benefit? Yeah, so... When Sean does his, like, psychic thing where he was like, oh, the ticket's for a car, isn't it? He does his whole psychic thing. And then when they're walking away, Henry just looks and he's like, whose benefit was that for? And Sean said, don't ever question my methods in front of a civilian. (laughs) Right. The psych out. Whose benefit was the psych out for? I was like, what am I? What is this about? All right. So it looks like they need to find out what happened to the car afterwards. Because if nobody came back to claim that thing, the pawn shop would have sold it. And they might have to run all over the state just trying to track this down. But it's too risky because Gus might be seen by a co-worker. Henry might be seen by the chief again. And so they're like, how are we going to make this happen? Sean looks around at the pawn shop and grabs some clothes and goes, unless nobody recognizes us. I wrote disguise time and 70s cool music. Yes, it, it's like a slow walk out of the pawn shop. There's disco music playing in the background. They are in full 70s regalia. Gus feels absolutely ridiculous. And Henry said, speak for yourself. I've got this shirt at home. His mother used to love it. 
Um, it looks like one of Henry's regular shirts, except instead of cotton, it's polyester, and instead of a very loud print, it's yellow. Yellow. Um, which also, totally, which totally tracks because he in fact wore that same shirt that he currently has on to lunch last week. Gus also looks pretty much the same as usual, except his pants are bell bottoms. He's wearing a vest with the striped '70s collared shirt, and the shirt has an extra little ruffle, but otherwise, it looks like one of his regular shirts. Yeah. I mean, he's got those, he's got real, um, like, like John Lennon sunglasses. Oh, little circles. Yeah. Yeah. Sean also is, well, he, I guess he looks the most different out of all of them because he's wearing like a bold paisley button up print. And like, I don't know, are his pants like velour? I don't know, but they're bright blue and they're bell bottom and I love them. (laughs) I just like everybody's shoes with these pants. Maybe that's a kink I didn't realize I had, but all right, all right, all right. (laughs) love a man in a vest we end up tracking the car down to an old car lot dude's like give me an offer and the car's yours yeah the old car's been there untouched and um they start pulling their money just off to the side henry's got 50 bucks gus has about 400 dollars between his wallet and his sock (laughs) his sock money (laughs) and uh with what i have we have about 450 dollars Yeah, Sean is such a mooch in this episode. So, (laughs) Sean won't let Henry do the talking. He said, "Uh, no, 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 Popeye Doyle. I don't think so. He goes over and he tells the guy, all right, I've got about 450 bucks. How much is this going to cost me? Henry said, that's what we get for sending the one guy who has never bought a car. (laughs) So, they start inspecting the car because now it's theirs. And Henry almost immediately finds a smuggler's hatch. Gus said, I'm driving because I bought it, which means the same rules apply. Wipe your shoes before entering. No slamming doors. No food. I knew you were going to have that whole speech written down. No food, Kaylee. He said no food. Oh, they he's eat lying. in the blueberry all the time. Yeah, they do. All the he breaks time. That, he breaks. Okay. I have that rule in my car, but I also break that rule constantly in my car. <laughs> I just, like, hate when there's evidence of the food in the car. I think that's that's my rule. No evidence of food in the car. In the smuggler's hatch, we find a really old, weird-looking roll of camera film in, like, a a weird case. I've never seen a shape like that. Mm -mm. It makes sense, though, because, you know, it was... The film actually went directly behind the panel. And so it unraveled from this side and it went across the panel and that's what took the picture. And then it raveled back up on this side. So it was a single piece. That makes sense. Yeah. The cameras that like you and I were used to as kids like are self-winding. So, and then, you know, probably people who listen to our podcast don't even know what film is. So cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Um, Henry says, you know, we need to get these uh, developed, see what we're looking at. And uh, let me guess, we have to take a whole step back before we can even report this to police. (laughs) Sean said, that's how we roll. And then he fails tremendously trying to slide across the hood of a car. Oh, it's hideous. As he walks into the car, he said, I think I need a tetanus shot. In the next scene, Gus is like buffing the car. Apparently they got her washed up and, and, and all waxed and she's all shiny and gold. There are tons of pictures of this guy, of, of Frank's with his car. And they decide that he must love it. And Gus said, after seeing it all cleaned up, I like it too. In fact, I love it. They finally find a picture of Frank's with two other people in front of this really 
big weird sign and they're holding AKs, like like automatic weapons and they look insane. They're wearing berets, like green berets, which is kind of weird. And Sean's like, I think this might have something to do with the bombing. Henry says, well, I guess we could check out my old snitch Pookie, see if if he's got any (laughs) lowdown. This whole scene, they just keep making him say Pookie and giggling about it. Henry kind of brings back his jive talk and he goes, yeah, the guy was a real weasel. The guy would turn on his own sesame, a sesame's twin. (laughs) <laughs> the guy would turn on his Siamese the guy would t- <clears throat> I got nothing I can't even I'm not even gonna try to finish it it's that jive. guy would <laughs> that guy would turn on his own Siamese twin for I don't know why a buck a buck <laughs> and we also find Pookie out would know that we're that who who these guys were and his full name is Pookie Wigington <laughs> it's so cute well, I gotta find Pookie. So Gus slides into his spot, and Sean said, "If that had been on purpose, it would be totally cool." Oh, oh. yeah. When they're driving, um, <laughs> something really cool happens with the whole parking of the car. But apparently, the steering wheel just gets stuck, and it's terrifying. <laughs> and then uh, we find out that the seat, Sean or Gus's seat, was jammed all the way to the front. And his entire left side has fallen asleep. So he's like swag walking. Oh, it is so cool looking. But they're like strutting up. And the, the club is called Top Flight Dance Club. Where it's 70s night every night. Tomorrow's ladies night. That's fun. <laughs> oh, so I looked this up. We meet Pookie here. He is the owner and proprietor of Top Flight. Oh. And um, his... The actor's name is Ted Lang. He one of his biggest roles was as bartender Isaac Washington on the Love Boat. Oh. But he has been booked and blessed. This man is working. They, when they once they find Pookie, he said, "What brings you gentlemen to my establishment?" Sean is talking about the overturning of the conviction of Franks, and Sean wants information, but Pookie denies knowing anything. Also, he denies any offer of money because he doesn't need your what does he say? Uh, <laughs> uh, so Change. Henry asks Gus to get the money out of his other sock because he knows he has other sock sock money. And Pookie says, look around. I don't need your money because he's the owner of that fine establishment. So Sean does a little psych out moment and it works. Pookie, Pookie at first is like, I knew a cat used to chip like that. And he's like, no, no, no. He's a, he's a psychic. And he's cool. He's Henry cool. Gets he's a psychic. <laughs> yeah, Henry. Really? And I can dig it. <laughs> yeah. Spiritual. <laughs> so he knows a little bit about this guy, Franks, and he's like, yeah, that cat's Derek Ford. And that's his old lady, Melanie Ford. They were all part of this group called SAG, which again made me giggle because the Screen Actors Guild, <laughs> <laughs> as a proto military organization, is hilarious. So it was actually called Soldiers Against Government, but Screen Actors Guild is a lot more funny. Every time they say SAG, I'm just like, it's SAG. It's SAG. <laughs> I know it's SAG. <laughs> They were ruthless, and no one crossed them. And Pookie said that's why Frank never ratted out his friends. Oh, yeah. So Henry gets really upset. He's like, I can't believe I missed that. The guy had partners. 
Like, he just, he feels like he threw the entire original case down the drain because he missed something that big. Sean tries to console him. Henry doesn't want any of it. So, all is well, I guess. <laughs> we go back to the SBPD. Where everything is not well for Lassiter and Juliet. <laughs> They're getting out of the Lassie-mobile, and Lassie's just like, everything hurts. Juliet just wants to be done with, quote-unquote, this fiasco, and they run into Buzz. They look like they got the hell beat out of them. And um, Julia just wants to file the incident report. And apparently their uh, diamond smuggling case did not go as planned. They thought they found the container that was smuggling the diamonds, so they opened it. Uh, but in fact, it was a wildlife smuggler, and it was full of wild marmosets. They really didn't like being shot at. <laughs> 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 and <laughs> McNabb goes, well, my case took a fun turn. His face is just so happy. It turns out the plastic family, uh, family. <laughs> it turns out the plastic factory was a front for a real life sea pirates. They were using high tech and GPS to rob freighters in the shipping lanes. And he's about to team up with the Coast Guard. Lasseter is so jealous. And they he both tells are. Buzz, that Buzz does not have the clearance to work with the Coast, Coast Guard. It's, it's uh, SBPD policy. Sorry. As they're walking away, they say catching pirates almost makes up for the rabies shots. Almost. <laughs> but I wrote they totally just poached his case. Poor yep. freaking Buzz. Again, they deserve everything they get yep. this episode. Um, poor Buzz. All right. Henry thinks he blew the case. Oh, yeah, he's fully in self-defeat gardening mode at his house. Sean said, but it was your it was your big case. And Henry just wants to let it go. Yeah, Henry's like, no, 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 that was my hubris. It was always an SBPD case, and I shouldn't have taken it so personally, and I let it cloud my judgment. And here's where I wrote, again, Sean is wearing stripes. What is this? Because Sean wants to convince him to help them solve the case because he knows that's what Henry needs. And when Gus asks how, he said, most likely with trickery. And Gus is wearing plaid. Okay, so I have to tell you, it has nothing to do with stripes and plaid. Uh, but at this point, I started calling the car that they're driving the Kiwi. <gasps> I love it. I, I thought that was a good, you know, it can't be a blueberry, obviously. But it could, it, based on its color, it could easily be a, a, a Kiwi. Oh, absolutely. And I am in love with the golden kiwis. Have you tried these? No. They usually come from Italy. They're usually huge. They're a lot less hairy. Um, their skin is a bit thicker, but I've been eating the skin and it's very, very tart. And the, the fruit itself is like gold and it's very, very sweet. I will keep my eyes out for that. They're a little bit more expensive, but so good. They are in the Kiwi, and they tell uh, Henry that they are going to get wood for Gus's new closet. And Henry is super excited to use his new laser level. And he's like, so uh, what kind of wood are you thinking for these bookshelves? Something about Cypress? <laughs> he's like, like, yeah, it's a good wood, Sean. They made Noah's Ark out of it. <laughs> Gus stops the car and tries to f hide the fact that he is in a... Very specific location from Henry. Where are we in this random house, Gus? <laughs> As they're sitting in the driveway, a car pulls up and then very, very quickly speeds away. And we get a full car chase. I can't use words today, Haley. A full car chase with shaft music. 
oh yeah, this SUV is speeding away. And I just wrote fancy driving, hubcaps flying, but all the hubcaps are still on the car. (laughs) They end up playing chicken with the SUV and um, Gus wins. And then Gus is like, well, what do we do now? Because they've got the, the car cornered. Yeah, I wrote cornered. Um, so they finally approach the car and knock on the window and it rolls down and it's this very white suburban couple. Gus's only uh, weapon was the laser level. <laughs> I'm going to blind them, man. <laughs> so we go back to the suburban couple's um, home and we learn that this is indeed Derek and Melanie Ford. They saw Eugene's car and thought that he was coming for them for some sort of revenge. He thinks we set him up to take the rap for the police headquarters bombing, they said. But they say when Eugene got arrested, they completely walked away from their radical lives. Like they were all brainwashed and radicalized by this group, but the heat got too hot and they saw the error of their ways and they walked away. And they built this great life and they were terrified that Eugene was coming after them for revenge and to burn it all down. Sean and Gus believed their story and said, oh, well, do you know of anyone who might have wanted to set him up? Yeah, anybody else involved that we can look into? Immediately the wife is like, oh no, I cut my finger. Oh, oh, this is pretty bad. I better go put something on it. And she exits. So this is where we get a little psych moment where he's kind of snooping their mail and he sees the insignia for the Santa Barbara University. Uh, it's like a like a lion. And then he remembers there's a partial sticker of that on the kiwi and so he's like okay so this clearly all started at some point at the university right yes now we don't want to move on because this is our second (laughs) pineapple (gasps) is there one in the house there's one in the house when the camera is on mrs ford miss pink lady with all the sweaters um behind her right by the window slightly obstructed by some other little plant is a real pineapple like right over her right shoulder good stuff yeah didn't even kind of notice it i was busy thinking about the insignia so that's fantastic Haley. (laughs) yes i think you won the pineapple game because mine was a little bit obscure but Well, I finished the episode my second time through and I was like, wait, where was the pineapple? And I was like, I bet it was in that kitchen scene. So I went back and there it was. Yeah. As far as that insignia is concerned, I'm sorry. I keep going back to it. Hmm? Did you watch The Big Bang Theory? Yes. Okay. So do you know how Sheldon and Leonard's apartment has a flag? No. Okay. Well, they have, it's it's only referenced in like two episodes, but- um, they have a, an apartment flag and it is a golden lion over a field of azure. It's the same, it's the same lion as the picture <laughs> of the insignia. Huh. I think that's probably like some old timey British lion coat of arms thing that like yeah. people can, you know, like it's clip art. <laughs> They're outside and Sean now has a hot new trail because they want to go to the university. And Henry still doesn't want any part of this. And Sean tells him to suck it up. And then they get into a stupid fight, and Gus plays therapist. He tells them, Mr. Spencer, we need you, because frankly, you're old. And you need Sean, because every once in a while, he does have a good idea. And you're both too damn stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) To admit you need each other. Now, can we please go? That technique is called a common enemy. Ah. Gus, Gus nagged both of them 
so that they would be angry at Gus instead of angry at each other. Yeah, because what do they say to each other after that? They have like a little aside before getting in the like, car. Man, he's can be bossy or he's a jerk. Or something. Oh yeah, is he always like that? <laughs> in the Kiwi, and Sean's like there is a fourth member of SAG. Yes, so he looked into it, and it turns out the three students who met at the university only had one class in common. No other RAs or, yes, Sean, that's a thing, um, <laughs> or teachers or anything. And his nom, nom, his name is Dr. Richard Colbert. They're back undercover to check out the, the thing. And when they find the check out the Dr. Richard Colbert, when they find his office, they go to the door and the office is unlocked and unlocked and all three of them take off their sunglasses at the same time because i didn't notice that colbert is dead every time i see the name colbert written in my notes i want to say colbert that's fair because steven has one he's one he has my brain i have a i have a last name that is not carell so i feel that <laughs> sean sees something on his nose but i don't oh. know what he saw i don't know either it may have been like some kind of a chemical burn but Basically, we just get, was Eugene already here? Like, did he do this? Buzz has been waiting on Lassiter and Juliet because they're still at the university. And we find out that they were out on the open ocean and then they use a bunch of nautical terms that I don't understand. I, I didn't write any of those down. I just wrote nautical, nautical. Yeah. <laughs> what we do find out is that uh, the Coast Guard, once they got three miles away, sequestered them on the quote unquote lover deck oh yeah the lover deck because once you're three miles out to sea it's no longer sbpd jurisdiction so they had to like lock them in a room where they got all kinds of seasick and juliet had to wash her hair three times they get what they got Inside the lab, <laughs> it looks like a lab accident of some sort that maybe he had been inhaling hydrochloric acid fumes um, um but and then Sean we get and Gus are talking in a lot of 70s slang terms I just wrote when they walk into the room, it's the swag arrival. So let's get into it. Sean goes, I'm getting some serious jive and it is fly. <laughs> Col Colbert was the mastermind of the bombing and he was the one who set Eugene up. Ooh, I'm getting it and it is a bad mother. Shut your mouth. I'm having a vision. I can dig it. <laughs> Meanwhile... Henry is over there scoping the ingredients, trying to, like, not be seen by the SBPD. And they're the same ingredients that were in the room where uh, Eugene Franks was building the bomb in the 1978 flashback. He's doing uh, bad charades at Sean. And so Sean goes, It's a, uh, I'm seeing a big birthday cake. Make a wish. What? Oh, no. It wasn't <laughs> what? It was make a wish. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, Gus is like still into the like, ooh, wait, huh? And then <laughs> and then he's like, a, a bomb. It was a bomb. Another bomb was built in his lab before Eugene like cut and ran. He kind of kills all of his jive and he's like, we need to go before he blows more people up. So they go to the Ford's house. Yeah, we go back and then we instantly see a uni uniformed officer walking out with Eugene in handcuffs, all caught and stuff. And there's a duffel bag that, oh no, has a bomb in it. Which isn't activated. The Fords are standing out on the lawn like, oh my god, he was trying to kill us, I knew it. And Sean notices there's no cut on that Ford lady's hand. Lies, Eugene lies. 
Eugene seemed genuinely surprised that Colbert was dead. And that was just the the kind of icing on the cake that came to lies, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Lies, yeah. <laughs> Which is not lights, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. So Sean says Eugene was the scapegoat. You couldn't bear the thought that his early release was going to mess up your picture-perfect life because you had distanced yourself from the SAG. And so you decided that, you know, he, he couldn't stay out. He was putting your lives in jeopardy. And you were afraid that the drunk and old Colbert might confess everything to Eugene. Because out of everybody in SAG, they were the only ones doing well for themselves. The Fords are like, you have no proof. Sean's like, oh, I've got your proof. And he arms the bomb because only the person who built it is going to be able to disarm it. And there's only one minute on the clock, folks. And Gus runs. Oh, he's gone. Oh, yeah. So it gets down into like the 15 second range. And finally, finally, Derek Ford gives up and goes and disarms the bomb. And they arrest him. Lassiter is very unhappy with Sean, saying, and then Sean was like, oh, don't worry, man. If Derek hadn't deactivated it himself, I was going to. It's very easy. You just clip the red wire and the green wire at the same time. But Jules says, um, Sean, there is no green wire. And then they walk away and he screams, I'm starving. Who's up for fajitas? In the next second to last scene. Sean is dragging Henry back into the SBPD. He's like, come on, you deserve some accolades. You solved it once and you helped solve it again. And this is a good thing. You should be honored. You did good work. Henry said, interviews, press, hair, those are all your things. He does end up stopping and thanking Sean for helping him with the case. Oh, there's a whole moment of like a, a hand, like heavily on the shoulder, like meaningful thank you. It's... It, it's honestly, it looks a little awkward. Like, it, they, they do a good job of making us feel Sean's awkward. Yeah, and Sean just looks confused. They look yeah. ahead, and Lassiter and Juliet are bragging about this bombing case to the reporter. Oh, they're doing the full humble brag. Like, oh, God, we don't ask for all of these high-profile <laughs> cases. We don't go after these things. They land in our laps, and we do the best we can. And, and should we show her? Yeah, we should just show her. And they start <laughs> pantomiming part of the case. It's real cringe. Do they do the, the, the Charlie's Angel pose? Ooh, you know, I, I don't think know. they do. I think they end up back-to-back -back with, like, their hands up and, like, fake finger, finger guns. Oh, God. Henry and Sean are over it and they just leave, which could have been an ending to this episode. But we get an even better ending. <laughs> it's okay. The song Car Wash, which is such a vibe, yep. um, is playing and Gus is vibing in the car to the song, which I, I forgot to mention earlier is actually a Mercury Cougar, but I love calling it the Kiwi. Oh. So Gus fully vibing. Until the kiwi starts to smoke. And then it fully blows up. He is able to kind of pull it over and then grabs his bag, walks out to the road, and starts trying to hitch a ride somewhere. <laughs> Which, oh, don't stop hitchhiking, but it's a very 70s mood. Yes. Yes, everything Everyone was crazy that. and getting murdered in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> That's true. That was like, that was like a lot of dead people. A lot of dead people. A lot of murderers. A lot of dead people. I mean, that's true, too. But that episode is so, it's quick. It's funny. 
there's I had like, three pages of notes versus last week's like five. Oh yeah. We I didn't have anywhere near as many notes, but like without question, I like this episode more than than last week's episode. It it's just it's quick, it's fun, there's so much humor, the outfits, the music, the kiwi, like it's perfect. So we are um like a third of the way through season three at this point. I will say this is like maybe my favorite episode so far of this season. So far, yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to say that so far of season three. I'm yeah, this to remember is what definitely the one of the most are. fun. And there's so much Henry in this episode, although there was quite a bit of Henry in the last episode as well. It just works this episode. Yeah, it's very fun. I, I mean, I loved our guest stars last week, but I do just love when it's like such a fun, high focus on our team. Yeah. I did kind of hate how much I disliked Lassie and Jules in this one. Mm, yeah, because they were just kind of like jerk faces. Yeah. yeah, they were trying to get the glory, and it backfired, and that's on them. Yeah, they were being like snobby, and I think I think they you know they get what they got. They yeah. you know it's just like the karma was there, and Buzz it, he just was always having a good time, doing mm-hmm. a good job. He Love just him. wanted he just wanted the experience. He just wanted to learn some things he just wanted to feel respected by the detectives and then that's what they get suckers <laughs> if that is all I, I am alexis what isn't clear is why people always say it goes without saying yet still feel compelled to say the thing that they were supposed to go without saying and i'm kaylee lower primates my ass i know a military formation when i see one <laughs> and this has been To To the the blueberry! Psych out.